Hello, and welcome to episode 1195 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, July 7th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's early here on a Friday. We got uh, we got a weekend set here, and then got the All-Star break. It feels, feels like it ran up on us, but there's been a lot that's gone on in the season. So I know you're taking your annual trip away and heading out. Are you, are you excited to get away for a bit? Yeah, it's going to be really nice. I, I mean, I do this trip pretty much every year, and um, mm-hmm. it's just nice to go unplug. It's, you know, middle of nowhere. It is uh, no internet. Uh, well, very limited internet. They've got Wi-Fi, but, like, you can get, like, one bar if you stand yeah, in the sketchy. right spot. Um, <clears throat> and then no uh, no phone. So, like, I'll be cut off from the world for, for a week and uh, get to just hang out with the family and do some you know fishing and swimming and things like that so it's it's pretty nice to get away i like it i I think it's um you know good idea to do that obviously the best time to do that as busy as you are it can be difficult so i totally think that that's a a good idea that you guys do that annually i'm excited i got a little uh afternoon planned with my niece on monday as part of my all-star break taking her to a movie and some lunch, so I'm very excited about that. I'm actually going to see the real world for a few days. <laughs> um, now, you're going to get down your soapbox later about how you don't even like the All-Star Game, so you're not missing anything either. That's kind of the other part of this is that, like, you don't even care yeah, that you're missing it. I happen to like it. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily care if I was missing it, but you vehemently hate it. We're going to get into that later, but we got some news. Got three up, three down. And then we're going to talk about some surprising All-Stars. And more about uh, how you feel about those guys in the second half. But let's start with something that kind of shook everyone yesterday, which looks like we're getting decent news on early, but always just going to be scary. Corbin Carroll left the game holding, or not even, like, his arm was just kind of dangling there. Like, he couldn't move his shoulder. There was clear issue there with the shoulder that's been hurt. It reminded me, and the, the announcers keyed in on this right away, totally agreed with them. It reminded me of when Tatis did it, and it might have just been a subluxation of the shoulder, and it's okay, but we instantly freaked out when it happened to Tatis. I understand freaking out with Carol. The early news is all right. Uh, what did you think when you saw this with Carol? Obviously, it's not super actionable right now, but uh, are you are you majorly concerned right now? So for... Like most of the time, like hey, I just saw your stupid sign, you little dickhead. <laughs> uh, you know what the- I hate. <laughs> so for the, those not watching the stream, I uh, I got this little sign that is it's supposed to be a glow up sign, but apparently it only glows when you have it plugged in and. I don't have a plug over there, so um, gotta get you an extension cord. Yeah, apparently. Uh, and then I—it's uh, one of those you can change the message, and so I've got the tiger suck on there. So I wanted to see how long it would take for Paul to uh, be able to see that. Uh, it didn't take that long. <laughs> I, I spent the first uh, the first bit of the podcast just kind of hunched over, blocking it with my head. Exactly. <laughs> so um, anyway. Corbin Carroll, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, there's sometimes where like being a late night person, living on the West Coast for me, you just being up late, um, like is uh, a benefit, right? The trade deadline, like we get a lot of yep. the news, and like East Coasters will wake up for it. Uh, free agency 
um you know a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of news will break in the middle of the night and we'll be up for it and other people won't be but then things like this happen and we're all freaking out together and everybody else is sleeping through it and they wake up and it's like see it wasn't that big of a deal it's okay that it's exactly through. yeah uh, and we're just sitting there going oh no like i'm in the middle of writing uh the rona write-up last night when this happens and i'm all like Corbin Carroll died on Thursday night. <laughs> exactly. and, and then I had like an hour later, I have to like go back and kind of re-edit it to make sure uh, it reflects a little bit of the actually updated news, uh, which I guess is good news. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's good news. I, I don't, anytime you have a shoulder injury like this for the second time in a week, um, yeah, it's kind of scary, especially because this is a, uh, a shoulder he's had surgically repaired before. Um, my guess how, how is he's going to go on about, the IL. But it hasn't been worse news since last night. It's not good news. I, yeah. I agree with you there because it is still kind of in the balance. But we didn't get anything worse overnight that says, okay, this is actually as bad as we thought uh, after the freakout. So here's hoping that it's okay. Maybe the all-star break will be just what he needs. Uh, if I recall, it wasn't, you know, like when it happened to Tatis, we all freaked out and ended up being okay. Obviously, he's had shoulder issues outside of that. But that specific one where he did the same thing, he swung. Oh, my God, he's out. Things are, are toast. He, I think he was okay from that. Tatis was hopefully Carol is. And again, nothing actual right now anyway. Or even if he goes on the aisle, you're not trading or anything. I'm just bringing it up because of, uh, you know, how sad it is. And, and hopefully everything's okay. We were talking about him the other day as potential number one overall. So obviously yeah. any sort of extended missed time would cut into that. Let me, let me spin that question back though a little bit. Is the persistent shoulder issue something that you're going to, how much are you going to be factoring that in if you are considering? Let's just say, let's say he misses just 10 days. Like he's not even on the IL, but let's just say he has a 10 day IL, which only costs him a few games because of the all-star break comes back, finishes out the season. Well, does that shoulder play a major role for you then with Corbin Carroll as a potential number one overall? Is it a tiebreaker with Acuna and Otani? What, what, how do you play the, the shoulder injury going forward if nothing major comes of this or anything else the rest of the year? Yeah, I definitely think it takes him out of the conversation for me at least as a number one overall. I understand a lot of other people will have him there, especially if he finishes out the season health, uh, healthily. Um, uh, Healthy, healthily. I don't know. Health. Uh, <laughs> healthy is. I think that would be right. Healthily might actually be a word, though. Yeah, um, I'm looking it up. It is. There you go. I th I think it puts him kind of in the bucket of Tatis for me. And you know, I mentioned like with Tatis, uh, like he's been great. He's been healthy since coming back, but I still have concerns that shoulder is gonna uh, kind of pop Always. back up at least until I see him. Uh, like play an entire full season without any injuries. So it would probably put him in that kind of 1B uh, group of uh, top-tier picks next year that I probably wouldn't touch until kind of the middle of the first round. Um, but like we also mentioned when we talked about this on Monday, it's this is a really, really good – or this looks like a really, really good first round coming into next season. So Definitely. Uh, you know – I'm totally fine pushing down just a little bit and going with other guys. Yeah, I mean, if I got Carroll at like six or something, I'm, I'm feeling great about that. But when you're looking at the top pick, you know, top one or two picks, 
you are going kind of nitpicky with the tiebreakers. And I don't even think this is necessarily nitpicky to be like, oh, a persistent shoulder issue could be a problem. But uh, hopefully everything's okay here. We'll play. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, as far as um, fantasy goes, you don't really have to worry in the short term because we are going into the break. Daniel Hudson returned from the IL and might be heading back on there, unfortunately. MCL sprain on his right knee during Wednesday's game, which was a save for him. He's returning from a torn ACL yeah. uh, in his other knee, so mm-hmm. this is this isn't this isn't uh, a reoccurring injury, but maybe his maybe instability in one knee caused issues for the other knee. I don't know for sure, but immediately getting hurt right away. Are you even going to pick up Daniel Hudson at this point? I know he's been your guy. You like him as as the guy to maybe take over this closer's role. At the very least, I think if healthy, he should be in the mix like he was here. Um, uh, Evan Phillips had thrown three days in a row. But I do think they would share if healthy. Are you even going to take the gamble on Daniel Hudson here? I already had um, Hudson on a couple teams. Uh, oh, they, all... they did put him right back on the aisle, too. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen that on Rotowire. They they didn't have him as listed on the IL again. So yeah, immediately right back on the IL, which I guess changes the question a little bit. Are you going to hold him then on those teams that you've got, Daniel Hudson? No, Dave Roberts already said after the game that he was going to be out a significant amount of time. So okay. you've got to assume at best, maybe he comes back for the last month of the season. Um, but, you know, how long does it take him to get back into a high leverage role? Does he even come back? Like, is this a situation where he, like, for the Dodgers, they're thinking about end of October as the end of their season. Uh, yeah. So, like, they may just be like, hey, he's going to be back for the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, so, at this point, I think he's a pretty easy cut. Just a bummer. You know, I mean, he he looked pretty good on the mound uh, yeah. since his return. And it looked like he was going to get saves um, and that he was going to factor into the ninth inning for the Dodgers. So it'll be interesting to see what they do because he he was a huge benefit to their team. I, I assume they're going to make deals at the trade deadline to bolster oh, the yeah. bullpen. So, uh, yeah, the problem is there aren't a lot of teams selling this year. So what is the market going to look like uh, in terms of what kind of good uh, relievers are going to be available at the deadline? I mean, they'll, 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 they'll have some spec situations, I think, and they'll probably get multiple guys. They need both, though. I think they need starters and relievers. Yeah. I think the pitching is probably a bigger need, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, di- I didn't see this, this part here. Uh, it wasn't, I don't want to out. It wasn't Rotowire. Rotowire has the, the thing about quite some time. But the other news source I had been looking at didn't have the Dave Roberts quote that said quite some time. So, yeah, Daniel Hudson returns and immediately heads back to the IL. So don't even bother picking him up. You can cut him where you have him. Uh, Alec Manoa is going to return Friday today, uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out, against the Tigers after a 10-strikeout outing in AA. Is this too soon? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Are you picking him up then? Yes, absolutely. I, I thought that might be the case, even though you, you think it's too soon. Because I agree. Um, so just pick up and stash. Not even, yeah. don't don't start against the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have to be pretty desperate in a pretty desperate situation. Maybe you lost a couple guys or something like that in the last week, uh, where you or if, would, or if you're yoloing it for the weekend in a head to head or something. Yeah, something like that. So uh, I he just hasn't had enough time to really work through his mechanics. Like this is. Uh, I'd be super surprised if he goes out there and shoves. I'll be definitely watching. Like, that'll be, like, 
front and center on my TV when, when he makes that start. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, as much as I have loved Alec Manoa coming into the year, uh, I mean, he was truly atrocious and, uh, you have to be very, very concerned about like what he's going to look like on, on that first time, uh, back on the major league bound. Yeah. And I, maybe it's just that they don't really have options, but I, I've, I've talked to some Jays fans that are even saying like, yo, I'm, I'm rooting for him. This is my guy, but this feels sudden that they're, that they're immediately jumping to him here because, um, I think you might have told me it, but he had like a 50% ball rate in that 10 K game. Yeah, yeah. So there were positives, but there was a major negative that even the team like the tigers will take advantage of. If you're, if you're walking guys at that kind of clip or, or putting, um, uh, throwing balls at that sort of clip, I think, I think even the tigers can get you on that one. So mm-hmm. he needs to be really careful here. It is a pickup because of the upside of, um, of Alec Manoa. But I, I, I don't start this one. I, I totally agree with you there. All right, let's do a little three up, three down. Let's talk three pitchers that are on the rise. Griffin Canning has a 24% strikeout minus walk rate, 391 ERA, and a 1.00 whip in the last 30 days. Somebody I've always liked, you know, injuries have been probably his biggest issue to deal with throughout his career, but he's looking pretty good right now. I think he's a little bit underrated because outside of Shohei, I think Angels pitchers are given, uh, you know, if we give the benefit of the doubt to Rays, Dodgers, and Cleveland pitchers, and other teams too, you know, those, those certain pocket of teams, there's certain teams that we don't give the benefit of the doubt and we, we charge them a little extra, you know, negativity. I think the Angels get that vibe. Griffin Canning has gotten that vibe in the past. He's looking pretty good here. I think he's considerable in all formats right now. Maybe not an all-format start, but I think I would roster him as low as 10-teamers right now. Where do you currently stand on 27-year-old Griffin Canning having a pretty solid year? Um, I, th- I think he's kind of a streamer in uh, in most formats, in 10s and 12s, uh, and a team streamer in 15s. Uh, he's still giving up a lot of home runs. Like that's, Home runs are still kind of an issue for him. Uh, and, and even in his last uh, outing, you know, gave up a home run and walked four guys. Got nine strikeouts, which is which is nice. Yeah. But uh, like, you, there's still an erraticness to him. Uh, but I'm he's healthy, and that is like his biggest concern. I mean, he was he was the talk of the 2019 F Pass. I think I'm pretty sure it was like Nick Pollock so- did like a six hour talk on just Griffin Canning. <laughs> Um, at the end, like he had run out of things to say, and he was just like coming up with, you know, uh, puns based on his last name. So he was, he was making up anecdotes about, mm-hmm. how, you know, how he'd helped old ladies across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot to like, you know. To your point about the four walks, that was against Arizona. You know, I, I think we give credit to Arizona there. He had had three walks in his previous five starts combined, so things were going really well there. And then Arizona jumps him. The nine Ks kind of salvaged it. I probably would have sat him there, of course. Um, especially in, in those shallower formats. Of course, you would have also sat him at Colorado where he dropped six <laughs> scoreless with seven punches. So you take the good uh, with the bad there when it comes to streaming. But I really like where Can- Canning's at right now. I, I would elevate him to team streamer in, in just about every format. I'm, I'm really not yeah. wanting to put him back out on the wire, um, even in a 10. Yeah, I, th- I think he's... Uh, I think for me, it's more about matchups in a 10. Um there's there's just so much available that's on the wire uh in in those formats where 
I, I don't think you need to hold on to a guy like this, especially if they've got, you know, like, let's say they've got a bunch of matchups against teams like Tampa Bay and Houston and, uh, you know, even Seattle, uh, you know, like I, are you going to feel super comfortable and to hold on to him for three weeks when you could be streaming in a, a, a different piece? I, Probably not. So, what, what 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 do wires look like in tens? My shallowest is a is a twelve this year. So, pardon me for being a little uh, out of pocket there, but because I feel like the twelve pool isn't that deep. So, I, I know taking out two fewer teams or taking away two more teams can certainly deepen it. But is there a consistent uh, availability of quality talent? Yeah, I mean, until recently, like you could get guys like Braxton Garrett off the wire, like you know, like. Josiah Gray was still on the wire in a lot of these kind of 10 team leagues. So like, okay. I, I think you, you want to play the Met, you know, you've, you probably keep your top 30 to 40 starting pitchers, uh, and then you know, spin and everyone then, else and then spin everybody else around in those leagues. Okay. So. Yeah. I think that's fair then 10 teamer, maybe just a standard streamer as opposed to the, the, the team streamer, which for those unfamiliar with the term, it's just a streamer that you don't cut. You're just not playing them every start, but you don't want to necessarily put them back out there. Um, if you're getting guys like, you know, potentially Braxton Garrett, like you're saying, or even our boy, and I wanted to avoid putting him as a topic again because I feel like we talk about him every damn podcast. But Lance Lynn, another gem yesterday. He keeps me bought in, dude. He keeps me bought freaking in. Uh, Braxton Garrett, still only at 75% at Yahoo. So, yeah, yeah to that point, yeah. there there's still availability there. So, good call on that one. It is just a standard streamer for Griffin Canning in 10s. But I like him in 12s and up. In 15s, I think you're starting him more often than not. You know, this is a guy I've loved forever. You're, you're well aware of this. But Michael Waka is even surprising me, man. When he went on a run, I'm like, okay, he kind of does this every year. He always has a run where, you know, kind of good for a month. He gets cut. Somebody else picks him up. You know, kind of tours the league. Not this year, man. If you cut him, you are regretting it because he's been blazing hot. Hasn't allowed more than two earned in a start since April 26th, and that was only three runs in five innings against the Cubs. Over this time, Waka has a 119 ERA and 087 whip in 60 innings, going at least six innings, all but two of the, um, I think that's 11, uh, 10 starts. So eight out of 10. I mean, he's, he's just been excellent. Do we believe that Michael Waco is going to be a, a viable guy the rest of the year here? No. Um, I mean, he's definitely pitched very well. I think he's, uh, you know, enjoyed a lot of success, but like not a ton has changed. Like the changeup's still really good. Everything else is mediocre to bad. Uh, his XERA is four, like thirteen, I think it is. Um, he's on the IL there... right now with a shoulder injury. Like it's mm-hmm. like I, I, I'm sure this is partly just like giving him a break because he's an that, older guy, and and that's kind of what what I figured with it. Yeah, he hasn't pitched since July first. I think he just gets an extendo break here uh, for yeah. Wonka. Uh, you know, he's running a two fifty one BABIP. Uh, I, I I think he's getting pretty lucky. But you'll take this, and it is a really, really good park to pitch in uh, in San Diego with an amazing team to support him offensively uh, in terms of giving him run support in terms of wins. So, like, do I think he's going to regress? Yes. Do I think he's going to fall apart? No. So I think this is, again, uh, probably a team streamer in most situations right now, but be ready to turn him into an actual streamer that you're willing to drop off your roster if he has like a couple bad starts in a row. Yeah, I don't think you want to just 
plow through with Waka if he drops a couple five burgers on you. Um, you know, cause that's kind of a guaranteed dud. You, you could throw nine innings with five earned and you're still putting up a five ERA. So, and he did do that, by the way, early in the year. Milwaukee and Arizona back to back, seven and five earned respectively. Um, then had that Cubs outing and then went on this run. Waka has a 95% left on base rate during this time. League average is about 72. So he's riding a hot 81% for the season. And it really is the, the two polar opposites because in the first five starts before this uh, run, it was 61% for Waka. So he was way low and now he's way high. He should probably be somewhere close to the middle the rest of the way, which would probably net like a four. 20 to 450 ERA for Michael Walker, which is still 15 team viable, but does start to become sketchier in 12s and below. Yeah, he's got a 450 Sierra, a one or a 413 XCRA. Yeah. So So there you go. And like you said, uh, the skills are not exactly surging. It's a 14% strikeout minus walk for the year. And let's see what it is during this run because I don't even think it's all that much higher during the run here. It is. 14%, 14%, the exact yeah. same as his yearly one. So to your point, keep keep going with Waka here. Don't cut him. He is a at least a team streamer right now. But if we start to see that left on base rate regress when he comes back from injury, be careful. Uh, this guy is more than a team streamer to me, though. He's an everywhere start all the time, all formats, and that's Kyle Bradish in Baltimore. I think the breakout is upon us. 251 ERA and a 102 whip with a 20% strikeout minus walk in 46 and two thirds um, over his last several starts here. He's at 332 ERA and a 118 whip for the year in 84 innings. He was a big time, you know, uh, uh, sleeper type. I, we know sleepers don't really exist. You know what I mean? Like a breakout candidate. He was a lot of people's guy, myself included. And I love what I'm getting out of Kyle Bradish. He doesn't come out of the lineup, even in the 12 teamer where I have him. What say you of Kyle Bradish's breakout? You buying it? I am. I uh, I mean, I was big on Bradish coming into this uh, season. I'm super excited that we're starting to see uh, this all come to fruition. I mean, he is getting fairly lucky. 294 BABIP is a, a little bit low. Uh, the XCRA um, is 449, and the Sierra is, is a four flat. Uh, I, that park really helps, though. I mean, like, I don't think you yeah. can discount like how much that park really gives you in terms of suppressing home runs, and it is doing a lot for him right now. Uh, but I mean, he gets to keep pitching in that park, so like, it's not like we go, well, the park's saving him; he, he's going to have regression in the second half. There might be a little bit of regression, but I mean, he's just going out every outing and only allowing one run and striking out six, seven, nine. Like it's, uh, I love what Kyle Bradish is doing. Like this is, um, this is my dude and I, I need him to keep going because I've gone in a lot of spots. Same. Yeah, he, he is. He's a key driver for me. Um, love the outings that we're getting out of Kyle Bradish. Was great last night at the Yankees. Six scoreless, uh, five base runners, five strikeouts. He, he's been rolling. Definitely an everywhere starter all the time right now. And yeah, like, you know, there are some elements you highlight, you know, the fact that the home run suppression is there, but the park does completely favor that. Um, and it's something that's given Tyler Wells a lot of value too, is being able to pitch mm-hmm. at that park. And to that point, 281 ERA and an 098 whip at home for Kyle Bradish, 383, 137 on the road. So if you find some benches on the road, perhaps in shallower formats with Bradish, I can get behind that. But 
I don't care who's coming into town pretty much. Um, you know, maybe short of like Atlanta, uh, that would, I would maybe, maybe sit Kyle Bradish for that. But other than that, at home, automatic go. Uh, let's do three down. Kiber Ruiz has a 39 WRC plus in the last 30 days. Now, I want to say when we did our little catcher corner the other day and we were highlighting some of the younger catchers that were popping off, I mentioned Kiber as a potential cut and you said, hell to the no because you liked some of the elements that he had in his game yeah. that maybe speak to a second half breakout can you highlight some of those uh as, as to why you might be sticking with him if you still are because that was a little while ago it's been rough over the last 30 days it's a 72 wrc plus for the season with a 225 average but a 220 babbit i imagine you're gonna you're gonna hit on that a bit but what's up with key bear ruiz and are you still holding him in uh in formats right now Yes, I'm I'm absolutely still holding him. Like I understand that he has had pretty uh a pretty dismal season for the most part. Uh you know, just uh <clears throat> nine home runs hitting two twenty five. And this was a guy that you knew you weren't gonna get necessarily a ton of power from at the catcher position, but you were gonna get batting average. Like and That's he is it. actively hurting you right now. Um now doesn't hurt you as much as maybe other position players do because he doesn't, you know, catchers don't play as much, but he has got elite contact skills in the zone. Um, you know, he isn't a qualified hitter because again, catchers don't get as many plate appearances, but if he was, he would have the highest in zone contact rate of any major league baseball player from a catcher. Like That's he's got a 96.7% zone contact rate. Uh, that is a full percentage point higher than Luis Arise. Damn. So that is crazy like, for Kimber Ruiz. That really yeah, is. Like, like, I mean, and so 220 what's going on there? Is he hit the ball too softly then, Justin? Like, why is it so crappy? Is it just straight up bad luck? Which it can be the case. You know, we, we, we talk about that and making sure that we don't overrate Babbitt um, as the luck meter and just say, oh, unlucky, unlucky. But Everything you're telling me here says Kiber's getting unlucky. Yeah, I mean he's definitely he is definitely getting unlucky. I think part of the issue uh, is like he doesn't hit the ball overly hard. He's got okay. just a 36 percent uh, hard hit rate, uh, but it's not like he's hitting it soft. So like you know he, you know it's over 50 percent medium hard uh, medium hard contact uh, and just an 18 percent soft contact. Uh, I think he's gonna be fine. Like I'm just, I'm not worried about him from a uh, <clears throat> from a batting average perspective. I think he's, okay. I think he's a guy that at the end of the day you're gonna like. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a 225 uh, batting average and a 284 xba. Like he deserves a lot better than this, and uh, I think that he is like the perfect buy low candidate because you're either getting him off the wire in one catcher leagues or yep. uh, you're getting him maybe as a throw in in a two catcher league. So Kiber uh, uh, Ruiz, I think, is a huge bounce back candidate for the second half. Okay, and if you need batting average, you know it's 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 hard to really address yeah. batting average off the waiver wire. And as you mentioned with catcher volumes, he's not going to turn it around. But if you can get like a two seventy five, two eighty the rest of the way from one of your catcher spots, uh, that could be that could be nice and impactful. And he will play pretty much every day. By the way, I remember a while ago, 
remember the emojis. We got a key and a bear as the pronunciation. But yes. then I'm looking here on baseball reference and they're saying Kaber. So if Key Bear is wrong, please, I guess, correct me again. Or we have to correct B ref because they're putting Kaber. <clears throat> I'm sticking with Key Bear because I remember the emojis. And I want to say mm-hmm. it was Shelly who told us. Shelly, well, yeah, Shelly. Shelly. And I'm going to trust Shelly over just about anybody. Yeah. Because Shelly is yeah, uh, a badass. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. uh, anyway, another guy that you can use an emoji with is Jake Berger. That's a sick transition right there. <laughs> he has six homers <laughs> over the last 30 days. So why is he in three down? Because it comes with a 152 average and a 54 WRC+. plus. So it's been that classic all or nothing power slugger. Uh, he strikes out a ton. He doesn't walk much. He has 18 bombs on the year. But is the 216 average worth it for Jake Berger, Justin? Um, I mean, he he's gotten unlucky too. Uh, his XBA is two fifty one. If he was in two fifty one right now, we would be just oh stuck from the production. Yeah, we've gotten this year. Uh, but this is also like these are the ups and downs of a guy like Jake Berger because, like you said, he swings and misses a ton, and so they're gonna be cold stretches. Uh, you know, I was talking about um, I'm trying to remember the player, but I was talking about uh. <clears throat> different types of players with uh, Patrick uh, Davitt on the uh, Baseball HQ podcast. So it should be posted here. Ooh, in the next is that coming day, out so. today? Yes, let's go. Yeah. So, uh, and I said, like, you know, typically I want to bet on the guys who make a lot of contact. Um, mm-hmm. And the guys that don't, like, they're going to be really frustrating to own. And, and Berger's one of those guys that doesn't make a lot of contact. His own contact rate is below 80%. The you know, league average is around 85%. Uh, so, like, there's because of the swing and miss, like they're going to be extended cold streaks. They'll still come with home runs because he will make contact eventually. Uh, but you're also going to have to deal with the bad batting average for a month. And if you get impatient and drop him, like I did earlier on the season, you're going to miss a lot of the goodness later on when he gets hot. So uh, he's one of those guys that you don't really like in head to head formats because Which of the volatility. Yep. Uh, but in Roto, you kind of you know close your eyes and then take a look at the end of the season. And you go, hey, that was a pretty good year. Yeah, that that classic player type there with the volatility, killing you in head to heads. But if you're if you're hoping for thirty homers in in a, a fifteen teamer, you're probably going to look up at the end of the year and have that, if not more. Eighteen right now in seventy games for Jake Berger, uh, doing well and. If the batting average can start to turn, uh, then he could maybe be a second-half gem. By the way, what's his fly ball rate? Is that part of the uh, BABIP issue, too? Because if you're putting the ball in the air all the time, that's another thing that can really suppress your your BABIP, especially when you're striking out, too. It's 40%. Have, like, it's not, okay, so it's not egregious. It's not okay, egregious. I was just worried no. that he was like a 52 fly ball rate kind of guy or something. Uh, and then our last guy opposite of of jake Berger here in fact if you combine jake Berger and joey manessis to this point you got a pretty decent uh frankenstein player but joey manessis remains powerless just two homers on the year and now the average is sinking with a, just a 213 mark in his last 101 plate appearances if he's not bringing the average and and the unexpected power dip from manessis is there too is he rosterable in anything other than 15s right now and is he even cuttable there his last home run was on May seventh of this year. Like I don't know. How, yeah, I don't know how you roster this. Like it's just um, like he is a, a hitter, but like he has zero pop. Like it's just uh, and like this actively hurts you in multiple categories. Like uh, it's just 
I don't know. Like, I don't know how you roster this in, in really any it's format at this point. Like, it's just... really hard. Yeah. Um, let's let's do a little. Would you rather in in fifteen teamers? Because I think that's the best spot to justify Manessis right now. And I'm not sure that you're going to pick him over a lot of these guys here. Uh, let's go with Ryan O'Hearn, who's forty percent rostered in the main. Also has the outfield first base of Manessis. O'Hearn or Manessis? Four think, homers and a three twelve average in the last thirty. By the way, if I can influence you, yeah, I think you have to go earn because at least there's pop. The only problem is, I mean, what what comes of Ryan Hearn's playing time once Ryan Mountcastle's back? Like, I yep. just um, do they do they have a trade on their hands where they can trade a, a, like a legitimate major league hitter? Yep, to get some more pitching. The problem um, is, who's I, trading pitching? Like, what team is going, Miami. oh, I've got an extra starter or two? True. I, Miami? I guess. I mean, we talk about them all the time with these pitcher-for-hitter deals. Does Mountcastle, let's say let's say it's Mountcastle, does he move the needle enough for Miami to trade? I think like, it's uh, got to be someone up the middle. Like, I I don't think, if, for, if it's Miami, I agree. Um, you know, I think it has to be someone who shores up that infield defense. Um, and isn't punchless. So, like, could you see, like, a Braxton Garrett for uh, Jordan Westberg? Uh, I think that makes some sense. Um, it would be interesting if they flipped one of the big dogs like that. What about something smaller where it's maybe, like, Ramon Urias going over there? Does that what? move the needle enough uh, for, like, uh, Brian Hoeing or something? I don't think that moves the needle for the Orioles. I don't think the Orioles don't, you know. I think I think right now if they're if they're getting a pitcher like that, it's more about depth to make sure that they get through the season. Um Garrett seems the most movable. Alcantara's not going anywhere, neither is Lazardo or Perez. Uh Rogers is hurt. By the way, that sucks so bad. He was so close to coming back. Yeah. Uh Edward Cabrera's hurt right now, or maybe or else maybe he would be tradable. So yeah, I do I do think Garrett Cabrera's is kind of that supposed to be sweet back. spot. Cabrera's supposed to be racked right off the All Star break, so and maybe what about Cabrera for for somebody? I, I just don't know if they would move one of the big prospects right now. I mean, I think you, I, your, think, I think you have to eventually, right? Because Jackson Holland is sure. going to be up, you know, probably next year. Uh, they have they got so many Kobe Mayo, yeah, Joey Ortiz. So many of these prospects, uh, they're going to run out of room. Like this is like it's a good good problem to have, though. Yeah, like so, like. If I was them, I would move a guy like Westberg and try to get the best starter, you know, that you can off the market. Like, yeah, um, you know, like they should be calling uh, the Brewers right now and being like, "Hey, Corbin Burns, what do you look? You know, um, what do you guys that want? That would be, be huge." Now, can the Brewers trade Burns when they're two games out of the division, though? We've seen I them mean, do they, stuff like that before. I mean, they were they traded the Hater, yeah. It was Hayner. So. That's a, that's a closer. That's and they have a premium closer right behind them. So I that's a little bit different there, I think. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what 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 happens there. Uh, but anyway, closing the loop on Manessis because the reason we got on that was what because about, O'Hearn. What about Blake Snell in in Baltimore? That would be sick. What about what about uh, Snell Snell for Westberg? Is that too I, much? What, 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 what's might, Snell's contract? Is he a rental? He's a, he is a free agent. So okay, so then what about Snell for Ramon Urias? Does Ramon Urias do? He's a great. I defender. don't think he does enough. I think you'd have to throw in like he's a, a plus hitter though. Yeah, I think. What, yeah, about, I, what about for Joey Ortiz? 
I think Joey Ortiz and maybe another smaller piece, like maybe. Like I think that. What about that's Kobe cool. Mayo and something for Blake Snell? I think that. that gets, I think I think that gets done. Like I think that's an easy. Like you know, that's a win-win. I think so, and it gets San Diego a prospect, mm-hmm. and they're still in contention. I believe that they're five games under. They're eight and a half mm-hmm. back in the division. I understand that they're still in contention to me. So this wouldn't be like a dump deal. You'd still have to, you know, replace. Uh, replace Snell here with somebody capable, but I do think it might be worth it to get a younger guy too because they've got all these oh. damn contracts. I, I got, an, I got another one. Here you go, um, uh, Jordan Montgomery. There you go. Like that. I think. Know. I think. Yeah, that's the right team there. Or even Flaherty. Put Flaherty in that ballpark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Flaherty wouldn't cost as much as a rental. Um, Is Flaherty as free Snell. I'm pretty sure he is, right? I don't know. I, I'm 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 fairly certain on that. Yeah, he he would be a rental. So I know I keep mentioning Erdias, but I think that would actually be able to get done. Flaherty for Erdias. Um, now, do the Cards really need an infield? They don't really need an outfield. They, they don't need really need a hit. They need pitching <laughs> exactly. So that might not be a match from that standpoint. But they need to look to trading into trading Montgomery. They're and 12 and a half Flaherty out of the division. Sure. They, yeah, they, they're yeah. finally at the double-digit mark where I'm starting to say, okay, I've got the nails and the hammer out for their coffin. I haven't started hammering them in, but they just haven't they haven't taken advantage of the of the division not running away from them, and now all of a sudden oh, the Reds are saying, yeah, Reds fine, we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, with Manessis, we're taking O'Hearn, even with his, with his playing time maybe being in some doubt. What about like a David Peralta? We know when he plays, he's a strong side platoon guy. Would you rather have what what he's doing? He has four homers and a three fifty six average in the last thirty days. Would you go David Peralta over Manessis? Not really. I mean, I think that is pretty lateral, and uh, I think I'd rather have a guy who plays every day. Uh, I would do it. I think it's fine. Like I don't think it's like a bad move. Like, uh, but like. I don't know. Like he, like if David Peralta still has a job after the trade deadline, I'm going to be really surprised. Like a full, like or like a that, platoon job. Like that part's not, definitely he fair. A, he should be a bench bat. Like, and I are think they going to get outfielders though? They need everything. Like, what don't they need? Right? They need infield. They need outfield. The only thing they don't need is catching. Oh wait, what do they need on the infield? Freeman, Betts, Rojas. Muncie, you could upgrade shortstop, uh, but Rojas. are you going to? I forgot about Ross. Yeah, he yeah, and he so. can pick it. Like, yeah, so he's a good defender. You're, okay, you're so. punting the the bat for good defense, and then in the I mean, outfield, they could, you got, they could bring in the second baseman that then pushes bats back out to the outfield. So true, um, true. Who who's uh, <laughs> Jordan Westberg? Yes. <laughs> Get a Baltimore trade going. With that. <laughs> no, but they don't have the pitching the deal. They they mm-hmm. need they need to talk to they need to talk to St. Louis. And they could trade a young arm. They could trade like Michael Grove for Jordan Montgomery or something like that mm-hmm. uh, to get the more established guy or something. You know, they got other guys too. But know, the problem is everybody's looking for pitching, and nobody's going to be trading it or like you know outside these rentals. Um, yeah, nobody's come get Erod. I know he got smoked, but I'm not worried about it. it. It was a first start off the IL. Come get Michael Lorenzen. I know he's an all star. We're going to talk about him here in a moment. That's actually, uh, I'm going to give one more name and then we can transition into the surprise all stars. Uh, I haven't mentioned this guy at all today, but what about Ramon Urias? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he is a free agent though in my, in my league. Um, one, one other guy here. Uh, I lost, oh, 
because he's also punchless, but at least he's getting on base and scoring runs and leading off, would you take Mike Talkman, who's playing every damn day for the Cubs? I know that sounds crazy. But again, getting on base, and he doesn't play every day. He is a strong side platoon. But he's hitting, uh, only hitting 240, but has a 355 OBP, two homers, three steals, and 23 runs in 40 games. Is Talkman more impactful than Manessis right now? I know that seems crazy. Uh,. I mean, yeah, I guess I would. Um, did, did you have Mike Talkman becoming uh, somewhat fantasy not, viable uh, for deep leagues on your bingo board for this not, year? Yeah, not on my bingo card this year. So, uh, this, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very happy for Alex Chamberlain. Um, yes, but, yes, me too, uh, me too. I mean, I, this isn't a thing either. Like, it's like, it, you know, he's still not a good player. Uh, he is striking for, out for, less, which is like, you know, for him, a really big deal. But and a 355 OBP is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like, that and is legitimately good. But it's come at the cost of the power that we, Correct. you know, that we enjoyed seeing, right? So, like, he has sacrificed... Uh, the power in order to get these strikeout gains. Uh, so, it, you know, and he's not like a burner or anything. So, like, it is a pretty empty kind of on-base percentage um, because he's still at 240. So. Everything Manessis is doing is empty, too. So keep that in mind. Like, yeah. I'm not here gassing up Talkman. I'm more kind of hitting at, on, on Manessis' negativity. At Manessis is playing every day, though. And, like, he's not – I don't think he's going to lose playing time. No, he certainly shouldn't. Yeah. Like, well, you know, who are they going to play? I know he's 31, but like, who are they going to play over him? And the composite average is still 279. Like, yeah. we, we put him on three down because he's hitting 213 over his last 100 plate appearances, but it's still 279 for the year. So, okay, fine. You don't have to take Talkman. That's fine. Let's move into our surprise All Stars. Um, again, you hate the All Star game, which I don't yes. think is like some crazy hot take. I, you're, you're probably not alone there at all. But can you highlight some of the reasons why you're 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 such a non fan? Uh, I they could be doing so much more. Like they should be doing so much more. Like they they bury the best event of the All Star break uh in in the futures every game. year too. Uh, they, they push it further down the the chain of interest. The futures game. Yeah, and that, and that they, I do not know. That pisses me off so much. The MLB should be taking a page out of the NBA's playbook, which is really stealing what the NHL has done in terms of turning a bunch of their, uh, you know, time during the All-Star break into events that are really, really fun for the fans to watch. You know, the NBA has got like all these skills competitions, you know, and I mean, it really originated in NHL doing this. NHL's Mm -hmm. got the best All-Star break like if you're not a hockey fan i totally understand you not knowing about it but like they do all these passing competitions and shooting competitions and you know like they do all these things that are really really exciting and fun for the fans um that turn into a real spectacle and mlb has the home run derby which is fun like you know that is what it is great i don't think you need to change they made it great like they they did the the timer completely revolutionized that but that's all they have Futures game and the home run derby, they bury one of them. The home run derby is good, but where is, again, Tom Amansky throwing it in a bucket? Celebrity game? It's like, nobody cares. cares. Like, yeah. Like, do something that shows off the talent of these MLB guys. Uh, speed you know, I, race. I talk about this often. Yeah, speed race. Uh, like, 
Japan has got a bunting contest. I was just about to bring up crazy for. I think Japan uh, and Korea do. I think we should have one of those. Yeah, like, I'm like the most you know, anti-bunt be... guy in game, but I want to see a competition of bunting. Show off guys like Mookie Betts' arm from right field, like just, yep. you know, gunning people down at third base. Have have like you know, like I said, a shooting gallery on Monday uh, for her pitchers. Like watch them explode bottles and targets and things like the uh, um, like the NFL now does with the passing say. competition. Yep, uh, you know. I, I, I say this all the time. MLB's biggest issue isn't pace of play, things like that. It's a oh, branding issue. It's, yes. a, it's like you know exactly what Tom Brady looks like, right? Tom Brady plays his entire game with a helmet on. Despite wearing face. a helmet, yeah. You know what he looks like, right? He's out in front. He's, you know, they, they make a big deal about him um, and, and other huge NFL stars. No one outside of baseball fans knows what Mike Trout looks like. Mike Trout could walk down a busy street and never get noticed. Um, and that is a huge problem for Major League Baseball. Uh, and, like, they're not doing enough to make the sport fun and watchable uh, and really pushing out these young stars. They're trying to do it a little bit more in recent seasons with let the kids play and things like that. But, like, the All-Star break is... A time of year there are no other sports going on no other sports exactly there's no, basketball, the there's no football no hockey on um like you know like you have a whole week to showcase your best stars and you do a game in which whit merrifield makes it into it and michael renzen makes it into it um and a bunch of like young fun stars don't uh like i just think it's just a waste of an opportunity the choir there, totally agree. That said, I still don't mind the All Star game, and I, I like the All Star game as background noise or whatever. I like that they mic guys up. They could do more though, and that's your key point here, and that's totally fair. Let's talk about some of these surprise All Stars and see uh, how we feel about them going forward. I tell you what, this is a guy I've always liked, and when when Arizona got him, I was like, okay, that's that's fine, but uh, is he even going to play? Can the power return? I like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I did not even see this coming as a big fan of his. 14 homers already after five all of last year and 493 plate appearances, making the all-star team. Things are going really well for him. What's up with uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? I, Justin, I think you're muted. Haha. I, I was go. so excited to talk about Lord Esguriel Jr. that I forgot to <laughs> mute myself. So uh he's been unreal this year, and like if you've missed just how good he has been, um like I completely understand, like, you know, he is a West Coast guy, but ninety-three percent zone contact is among uh the hot you know, some of the highest uh, zone contact numbers in all of baseball. Uh, he actually ranks 10th in Major League Baseball in zone contact. Now, things have started to slow down for him. I think some regression is kind of catching up with him a little bit. But uh, you got to be pretty excited for a guy that you got really, really late. I know you've been a huge Lourdes Gurriel Jr. fan in the past when he was in uh, Toronto. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I think, you know, we're starting to see the regression monster come back for him. The batting average has started to slip here. Uh, in the last month, uh, and I wonder if 
you know, I mean, well, if Corbin Carroll's hurt, then he's going to have plenty of playing time. But uh, I wonder if you're going to start seeing – you've already started seeing him slip down the lineup a little bit, hitting fifth more than he's hitting, like, second or third. And I do wonder if, like, he turns into – not an everyday player if he platoons uh, yeah. at some point. So, but uh, I mean, you've got to be pretty excited about what he's done so far. But I think this is one of the situations that you you you're, you bank that stuff. You're happy for it, and then you're willing to let him go if he continues to kind of scuffle as he has of late. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he could lose some PT first. And that was the concern, right? Like, as much as I love Gurriel, I, I, I mentioned that I wasn't even super in on him. I got him on some DCs, and that's really it because you're thinking um, Carroll, McCarthy, Thomas was going to be the primary outfield mm-hmm. um, even after Varsho left. So, uh, well, Gurriel came over in the Varsho deal. It's like, well, I don't think he's just going to take all of Varsho's time, but he, he's he's playing very well. So you're definitely riding with him where you got him. Um, you know, I don't think you have to try to get out from under this because in a lot of shower leagues, you, you picked him up off the wire. I mean, Gurriel is still 70% rostered at Yahoo leagues despite being an all-star here with some quality work because the fantasy juice isn't extreme because the batting average isn't great at 263. It's fine. 14 homers, no steals. He's- so. He's hitting 175 since the beginning of June. Uh, now, that's in a large part because of a 178 Babbitt. Like, he's still got a 90 for, 95% zone contact. So, like, I mean, his zone contact has gone up in this month, but he's just getting really, really unlucky on balls in play. So this actually might be, like, a little bit of a, a weird buy low right now because some people are – I think he's probably only 70% rostered in, in places like Yahoo because – people are moving on really quickly now that he's been scuffling. But I think he'll turn it around uh, a little bit here in the second half. Come on, Gary L. Jr. you got to hit 30 this year. Uh, I, I thought I thought he had like 30 homer power in Toronto, and he was more of a 20s guy with a good batting average this year, sacrificing a little batting average maybe for some pop. Orlando Arcia. I'm going to go with – I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a little I told you so because when we were talking about what's Atlanta going to do at shortstop this year, I said Orlando Arcia. He can pick it and at least be the guy there as a steady presence to pick it. I did not think he was going to make the all-star team, so I'm not doing too much of a victory lap here. But he's at 298, 348, 434 with seven homers, 28 ribs, and 33 runs in 253 plate appearances. Orlando Arcia is a freaking all-star for the first time, and this is why they didn't they didn't have confidence in Vaughn Grissom. They didn't need to turn to Vaughn Grissom because they had Orlando Arcia here, and I know we both liked him way back when in Milwaukee thinking that he could become something yep. legit and that did not work like there were two years that were really bad 18 and 19 he was dreadful so he's kind of lost in the wild here but now he's just 28 like he's still on the right side of 30 he's an all-star do we believe in what Orlando Arcia has done in the first half can he remain a viable option both for the Braves and also for fantasy teams I mean he's a pretty boring option he hits eighth in this lineup he's not going to hit any higher um, True, but hitting eighth in that not, lineup is like has, third in most lineups. This is, this is true, uh, and like that's the thing. Like you want a piece of this lineup, and you know he's going to play regularly because the defense is so good. So like he is a boring option, but you could do worse, and especially in fifteen team leagues, um, you know, like uh, there's a lot of leagues where people are, are rolling out pretty crappy options maybe you just lost you know you're like oh i finally landed on something in nick magical and now he's on the il so uh i know i, oh, I just picked him up last, this past week 
I picked him up in my main event where like the only Same. thing I need in offense is uh, stolen base. Um, though I do have a I have a weird 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 like middle infield problem in my main event. Like I really need I really need it to become a trading league so I can move <laughs> one of my middle infielders because right now I've got to I've got to put two of um, uh, Isaac Paredes, uh, Abrams. Uh, Brandon Lowe and uh, God, who's the other guy? Oh, Luis Garcia on the bench. Like I can only start Damn. two of those guys each week, uh, and so like I saw Grady's was on my bench because and hit a home run on, on my bench because I, I need stolen bases and he doesn't get that. But uh, enough of my enough of my team in terms of RC. Like I think he's going to be a fine kind of like boring middle infield option for 15 team leagues. I don't think it, you know, gets any better. He probably regresses in the batting average. Babip's really high. Uh, but, you know, 250 hitter that's going to play every day, that has got value in deeper leagues. Yeah, I definitely. I, to your point, though, about how kind of boring it's been, Arcia, despite this this run here, is just 31st on the player rater at shortstop. Um, part of that is the volume because he has only played 63 of the games. But again, he doesn't bring a ton to the table fantasy wise. It is a deep league play. He's only 53% rostered at Yahoo, despite being second short and outfield eligible. So, um, Orlando Arcia, we'll keep tabs on him for sure. Uh, let's move over to Elias Diaz with the Colorado Rockies. Of course, they need, everyone has to have a, uh, uh, an all star. Elias Diaz, they've been, <laughs> we've been trying to see if they can find a catcher for, Two years, uh, 20 years, two decades is what I meant to say. Is Elias Diaz that guy? Do you believe in Elias Diaz? Nine homers, 279 average. Is, is he a viable one catcher format sort of guy? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that he, maybe a 15 team one catcher league. I think he's viable. Like, um, he doesn't do anything particular particularly well uh and the rockies suck around him so but he also does he like he doesn't hurt you which some catchers actively hurt you so exactly like, he's oh, seventh cal raleigh seventh yeah, ranked cal raleigh gives you power but he's gonna hurt you in batting yep. average right kyberries um uh, or kyberries should help you in batting average but he's probably gonna hurt you in a number of the counting categories so like if you're looking for a guy that doesn't hurt you in a category, I think Diaz makes a lot of sense. I just don't think there's much more to what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, this is probably where Diaz, you know, peaks, but power with, with some decent average, 279 average at catcher is pretty nice. He's a 248 career. I guess the real question is, do we think the average can hold all year? Because it's a 327 Babbitt, which is a career best for Elias Diaz. Do you, what, where, where would you put his batting average projection for the rest of the year? 260. I'll take that all day. I, I think that's one catcher yeah, viable in 12 teamers, like, then. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, right. I think you can make the argument. Yeah. I always associate this guy with you because uh, when you put me on a couple of years ago when I was ready to cut uh, Jorge Soler and he went off and just absolutely cooked, it was when he was with Casey in 21. The, met, the results were terrible. 
but the underlying metrics were there and you were like, no, do not cut him. I'm so in on this guy. I couldn't be more in. That was when he got traded over to Atlanta, had a huge second half, obviously had the big playoff as well. So I've always, uh, Solaire is, is, is a Justin guy in my brain. Um, and he's having a great year this year. No, no rebound needed. He's there. 22 homers, 252 average, 49 ribbies, 51 runs. He's an all-star for the first time. I, I tend to bel- believe this. I guess, same question that I had for Diaz, what's the average look like the rest of the way? Because we know the power's 100% legit with Soler. That's his number one trait. Can he continue to be like a 250-something hitter? Because that would be massive. Or do you have him as more of like a 230s guy the rest of the way? No, I think this is who he is. Uh, I mean, he's got the highest in-zone contact rate of his career. His XBA is actually higher at 259. Um, I think this is who Jorge Soler is. The only thing that derails Jorge Soler's season is injury, which has been an issue for him in the past. Um, but this is not a sell high moment. You're not like trying to capitalize on him having a really good first half and you know making the All Star team. I think if anybody is looking to sell high, I'll buy high. Same, because I still think the high the high buy is not going to be excessive. And yeah. if I need power. Uh, I think I can turn to Solaire. I mean, he's the 13th ranked outfielder. And yeah, he's going to cost more than he did on draft day in a trade. Of course, of course, of course. But I don't think people are going to charge 13th outfielder uh, type prices for Solaire. And if you're handicapping the guys who could hit 25 the rest of the way, even though he only hit t- only. I mean, he has 22 and 85 games. If you're trying to predict the guys who could surge and just blast 25 from here forward, he's in the top 10 of that list, I think, Jorge Solaire. Um, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely in on buying high there and seeing what, what I can get. Let's go back behind the dish here, talk about some American League guys before we get into two pitchers at the end. Jonah Heim, this was this is my dude here, so I'm I'm very keen on this one. I'm I'm probably too biased to have a uh, uh you know an unbiased take on it. He's the number one catcher in fantasy this year. I love it. And obviously, as much as I was in on him, I didn't think he'd be the number one catcher. But 12 homers, two steals, 282 average, and part of that electric offense in Texas. So the runs and ribbies are there as well with 43 runs, 58 ribbies. Jonah Heim, again, don't necessarily think he's going to hold the one spot all year, but I definitely think he's a all formats viable catcher, whether it's one team or one catcher, 10 teamer or whatever the case is. I'm in. Uh, what do you think of Jonah Heim? Is this, is this believable? Yeah, I think it's the same analysis that just gave on Ori Soler, which is, I think this is completely legitimate. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'll do a little mea culpa. Like I fucked up on Holy or, or sorry on Jonah Heim in draft season, not because I didn't believe in the skills, but because I made a incorrect input in my spreadsheet. And gave him like five runs scored instead of fifty-seven runs oh, scored. No, and so it like dropped. Yeah, he was like dropped them like out of my top thirty or top forty catchers um, when he should have been in the top fifteen. Um, now I did get him in my main event, but like uh, you know, people who were using my ranks. Like you know, I apologize. Like I just like this is what happens when you um, you know things like this happen when you. Uh, or, uh, you know, a guy who inputs things in manually as opposed to being like Derek Hardy or Jess Zimmerman that can just press a button and it no, it's for him. No, it's when you're too busy making funny little signs to hurt people's feelings instead no. of doing your projections. That's beautiful what it is. Sign. No, uh, not beautiful. So. <laughs> anyway, well, here's the thing. 
Justin might have led you astray on Jonah Heim. I brought you back. Hopefully, you got yeah. some Jonah Heim shares, folks. I believe in this. I, another guy I would buy high on because even though he's the number one catcher, I think people will be looking to sell high, and they're not going to ask you for comparable number one catcher prices. Yeah. Um, what do you think of him in a keeper format? Uh, 28 years old, you know, coming into his own, did hit 16 homers last year and probably had, I think he had some bad luck with regards to his batting average, had a 249 Babbitt, thus a 227 average. I feel like Haim isn't just a one year type of guy. I feel like he can, he can do some things here. Do you like Haim in dynasty and or keepers? Two things that we don't talk about, um, probably enough in fantasy is defense and then contract situations, right? Like, um, his defense is really, really good buying the plate. Like he's been a huge positive for the Rangers uh, buying the plate in terms of his ability to throw out runners and uh, call a game uh, and uh, and frame. Uh, but then you also look that he's not a free agent until 2027, so he's going to be a part of this Rangers team as probably their premier backstop uh, for the next two seasons or three seasons after this. So, yeah, like I want a piece of that Rangers offense because it looks amazing and it's going to be amazing here for a little while, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that you would want in, you know, dynasty and keeper leagues right now. Yeah, absolutely. Jonah High, man, he's that dude. Feel free to go ahead, jump in and buy on him. Yandy Diaz made the all-star team and he was the, the, the flavor of the month early on. Things were looking great, but... He's fallen back into his old ways as far as b blasting the ball on the ground constantly and not really hitting homers. Doesn't have a homer uh, from June 1st on, zero homers. His last homer for Yandy Diaz was on May 26th. So in that time, this is now 32 games, 142 plate appearances, homer free. He is still hitting 281, 352, 328, and he does have uh, 19 runs, which would pace to 96 runs. So you're getting average and runs, but it's at first base or DH, which is definitely not what you need at that position. Are we worried that he fell back into his old patterns and Yandy Diaz is back to being an unreliable power source, which means he's not really 12 and 10 team viable as much anymore. What do you think of Yandy Diaz? He is who we thought he was. Yep. Um, like, this is this is who Yandy Diaz is. And, uh, again, you know, I think we talked about this recently, uh, that conversation I had with Draft Cheat on, on this very podcast on, this, on one of the Sunday episodes, which was, you know, and Draft Cheat made the really astute observation that, like, hey, I know we love underlying skills, and that's what we're looking for in terms of, you know, long-term production, but those change, too. Yes. Um, and, you know, we saw Yandy Diaz lifting the ball – earlier on this season, but he's also, you know, he's a guy, and I talked about this yesterday with, um, with Patrick David, like he's got the body type of guys that get nicked up pretty easily, right? He's inflexible. Um, and, uh, he's kind of a big, strong dude. Uh, and so when you start to get nicked up, you tend to revert back to old mechanics. That's um, the thing. And, and also when you have your first struggle, uh, whether mm -hmm. you get, you get hurt and, uh, slumps, that's the hardest time to hold your new changes is when you encounter those things. And that's exactly what we're seeing here with Yandi. Through May 26, when he hit all the homers, 46% ground ball rate uh, with a 36% fly ball rate. Since then, 59% ground ball, 18% fly ball. He's just completely fallen back into who Yandi Diaz has always been. And like I said, I think it makes him cuttable in 12s and lower if you have somebody you like better. 
here's the thing. One of the other things I said yesterday, um, and I kind of briefly mentioned already this episode, was um, these are the guys I want to bet on, though, right? Because he makes unbelievable in-zone contact for a guy who should have a lot more power than he does. And so, like, I do want to continue to bet on these guys, even my shallower formats. One, he's multi-positional eligible at uh, first and third. And two, uh, he's just – he makes such good in-zone contact, the slumps are going to be few and far between. He's going to get the opportunity – yeah, he's going to get the opportunity to get lucky. And I want to bet on the guys who are going to get the opportunity to get lucky. Um, and so uh, – I don't think I would cut him in 10s and 12s. I think he just becomes more of a bench option that fills in both my corner spots on days off. But I understand wanting to move on from him because he's not delivering the power you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like Manessis at this point. But Yandi's early season numbers have anchored him at a point where it looks like he's still great. And I think that's kind of misleading, folks, because I'm not sure he should be 92% rostered at Yahoo. I think that's kind of my issue. Yeah. Your, your case for hanging on, if, if Yandi's your choice amongst a group of guys, is understandable. But, like, um, do you prefer Yandi? He's still hitting for average. Yeah, and scoring like he's runs. He's still hitting 309. You know, but he's dead empty you know. power at first base. Yeah. And what yeah. what's his other position? That's Outfield? Hard. Or no, third base. So first, third. Third base. third base. Those are both power positions. Do you like Yandi or Alec Bohm the rest of the way? Uh, right I think that's a I, I, yeah. I think that's a watch. Like I, think, I tend to. Agree. I think you can. I think you can go either direction. I'd probably go. You know, uh, no, I, I. I honestly, I think that is a straight push. Like I okay. go either way. So just pick your favorite, uh, and, and maybe being the leadoff hitter on Tampa Bay is what gives Yandy yeah. the edge. Okay, you can't take team needs into into consideration here and say this guy for power, Yandy. If you need average. CJ Crone versus Yandi. Needs are, are flat. Crone. Okay. Yeah, Easy. Crone. Crone's 64% rostered to Yandi's 92. So you're making that switch. What about Mountcastle when he comes back? I I think the answer should be Mountcastle. Mountcastle was one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball. Last year it was um, crazy how unlucky this, he was. This year, especially. Like this year he's been super, super unlucky. Look at like his X slug and his X batting average you know, way higher than his actual average and slug. Like, I think he's going to have a big second half with the caveat that the Orioles have a lot of bodies now, and maybe Mountcastle isn't an everyday player when he comes like he should be. Um, but like the Orioles may just go, Hey, listen, we're going to get you in where we can because we just have so many bodies right now. And he's not like, he's not a good outfielder. So like he, you know, he really needs to be playing first and Ryan Hearns there and they've got a DH spot that they're going to fill with, you know, guys when they need days off. So, um, I think I probably lean Yandi just because I know the playing time is going to be there, but like I could easily see Mountcastle out producing him. Yeah, I, I think I agree with all of that. Uh, you mentioned this guy earlier in passing as a as an All Star, Whit Merrifield making the All Star team. Definitely surprised me. I didn't I didn't have him for that. I tell you what, I, I was out on him this year because I wasn't sure that he was going to be allowed to run, and I don't think there was any reason for us to necessarily believe that. Tamp uh, Toronto's not really a running ball club in general. They do let some guys run though, so it's not like nobody runs, but they're not. That's not a, a main thrust of their strategy. And he was one for three in 130 plate appearances last year, which is a small sample. But I did 
I, I made some judgments off of that. And uh, I missed out on, on Witt. He's hitting 284 with four homers and 19 steals on 25 attempts. Uh, and now he's an, a third time all star. Do you believe in what Whit Merrifield's doing, and, and does it, does he allow you to get a piece of the Toronto offense at a at a decent price? Are you interested in Whit Merrifield? I mean, his XBA is like two fifty five. Uh, I think he's been getting pretty lucky uh, so far, uh, and he's gonna like. I know he's moved up the lineup, uh, you know, a little bit. You know, he's hitting seven instead of nine like he did last year, and he's even had some games where he's hitting second and stuff, but. I think as the luck starts to turn on with Merrifield, he's going to be buried at the bottom of that lineup. You, you, you probably empty stolen bases, um, which I if mean, you need, I yeah, guess that, you, you that's take, okay. But, um, but stolen bases are a lot easier to find these days than they were when Merrifield was like True. a second, third round pick. So uh, I would try to sell high on with Merrifield. I wrote, I've written multiple articles on t- uh, saying sell high. I talked about on the podcast. Uh, with with Patrick yesterday uh, as a sell high, and then he goes out and hits two home runs and shoves <laughs> it in my face. Clearly, because Patrick Davitt called him and was like, you know, listen, you're in Canada, I'm in Canada. Let me like, help you out here. You know, this is what Justin was saying, uh, and so he wanted to shove it in my face a little bit. But I think I think what Merrifield's a pretty good, especially making the All Star team and stuff. Like this is a, the perfect sell high moment. I totally agree. You find a team that needs some speed. They're gonna believe. They're gonna buy in. You know, you're not gonna get a mint form, but you're gonna get more than you paid at draft. And you might have even picked them up off the wire in um, shallower formats. I mean, I think he was drafted everywhere. But um, yeah, Whit Merrifield definitely. By the way, I thought he was voted in because I was like, how else does he make it? Because how the hell did did he get a spot over Wander Franco? Well, they, I mean, Franco eventually got a spot, so it's all, you know, all good now. Um, but, but like yeah. the, the order of hierarchy there sh- should have absolutely been, uh, yeah, Wander's on, by the way, but I'm saying like he shouldn't have had to be a sub. It should, Merrifield could have been a sub. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm arguing semantics here. Well, and, I mean, he, here's the thing who is the manager of the AL team? Oh, is it? Is it the 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 Dodger the Blue Jays guy? No, it's Dusty Baker. And what is Dusty Baker like? Oh, veterans. Okay, I see where you're going. For. I, was, I was like, did they change the rule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair, fair, fair. He's yeah, like, oh, like, 34 year old. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, veteran presence. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. He I, better bring. I, I need some. I need some. You know, tutor. I need a tutor for my my young guys. Okay. Yeah, he, he better bring a whole bag of veteran presence because I I'm not seeing it there. Again, not to not to totally shit on Merrifield. He's having a good season, but um, the Franco one surprised me. Like you said, Franco did get there. I'm sure we could find some other snubs that probably belong yeah, ahead of absolutely. him too. Uh, but we're not going to get too much into that. Brent Rooker, we knew Oakland had to get somebody. Uh, he seemed like the guy from the, from his fast start. We've kind of already talked about him and how he's already shown us that he is who we thought he was. Are you holding Rooker anywhere besides AL only right now? No. Okay. That, not, flat no. Because I agree, by the way. Yeah. Like, if you dig into the game logs – you're going to be realizing that you've been holding him for a while with some pretty dreadful numbers. 1245 OPS in April. 
hasn't topped 600 in the subs or hasn't topped 620 in the subsequent two months 616 in may 620 in june so far it's a 786 in july but that's four games so that means nothing since the beginning of may setting 199 281 348 with five home runs and a 36 percent strikeout rate bingo that would have been a better way to do what i did instead of reading off the months thank you for that Easy cut everywhere except for AL only yeah. where, you know, you just got to kind of hold anybody who plays. Uh, all right. You mentioned this guy earlier too, Michael Lorenzen. And I, I brought him up as somebody who could be traded by the Tigers. I think he would definitely have some appeal. He is pitching well, but I was still pretty surprised that he got the all-star nod. I know Eduardo just came back from injury, but why not him over Lorenzen? Lorenzen has a 403 ERA, 114 whip in 87 innings of work with 66 Ks. He's three and six. Obviously, the Tigers don't give him a ton of support. How much do you buy into uh, Lorenzen in deeper formats where where he has viability? Very, very little. He's he is taken care of bad teams and gotten slacked by good teams. Um, and uh, he's benefited from the fact he pitches in the uh, AL Central, and so yep. you know he's going to pitch more games against his division. Uh, and his division sucks. Uh, so, like, you know, like, I, I think he gets, let's say he gets moved to the AL East. Maybe he's the Orioles guy. Like, that is, like, going to be, I know it's a good park, but, like, the teams he's going to be facing are going to be a lot better, and he's probably going to get shellac. He moves to the NOS, he's going to get shellac. You know, like, fine, just, sorry, let's put a finer point on what you're saying here. Teams 500 and under, 228 ERA, 0.89 whip. Teams 500 and above, 7.11 and 158. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that simple, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can you can read too much into something like that. Other times it's just plain as day. Yeah. Lorenzen is feasting on crap and getting smoked when the when the quality rises. Yep. Uh, what about your boy Josiah Gray? Starting to see the homers tick up a little bit. Now, I think he's a worthy all-star. I'm not I'm not besmirching him making it. 341 ERA, 144 whip on the year. With 92 strikeouts in 100 innings, 100 and a third innings. But like I said, the homers are, are creeping back up a little bit. He's allowed two in three of his last five outings. And it has led to a 445 ERA, which by the way, actually isn't that bad considering six homers in 28 innings. It's because the other two starts, uh, where he didn't allow a single homer, he allowed one earned in 11 and a third. So there's still glimpses, not even glimpses, there's still bouts of greatness from Josiah Gray. I'm certainly not cutting him or anything, but how are you approaching Josiah Gray for the second half of the season? This was one of your dudes. He's panning out. Um, and how much can you take on that whip pain as well? So a little bit of a dual question there. What do you think of him for the second half? And can you can you take on that whip to get the ERA in Ks? I think he is more of a streamer in 10s and 12s and a team streamer in 15s. Uh, Perfect. He's, he's struggled recently. But he's also had a brutal schedule recently. You look at, I think it's last seven starts. Philadelphia, at Atlanta, at Houston, St. Louis, San Di- at San Diego, at Philadelphia, Cincinnati. Like, these are all teams that can really do damage. Um, he hasn't gotten to face, like, really any bottom feeders in the National League recently. So, like, I, I kind of take, like, the bad results a little bit with a grain of salt and go, okay, he's had a pretty rough schedule. But that, you know, it's a tough division. Like, there's no, like, bottom feeder teams outside of his own nationals in his division. So, um, like, it's, you know, they're going to be hard stretches where you're not going to want to use him, uh, which means you're going to miss out on, the like, the good start he had at Philadelphia, the good start he had at San Diego. He's sitting on my bench for those. Um, but, like, 
I, I don't want the blowups right now, um, especially yeah. in leagues where I've had bad ER, you know, ERA and WHIP uh, to begin with. So um, I think, yeah, I think he's a team streamer in probably 15s and then a, an actual streamer in, in 10s and 12s. Yeah, I think that's that's totally it, and that's coming from one of the bigger Josiah Gray fans out there with, with Justin. So I think that's a great read on Josiah Gray, and you definitely love making keepers and everything still too, right, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you, you hold on to him, Keeper, yeah. Awesome. All right, well, that's going to do it uh, for the first half of the podcast, uh, first half of, of the season for the podcast. What about what if we did a whole another hour and 15 minutes? And I meant, like, literally <laughs> the first half. No, um, yeah, that's – oh, well, I don't think you're doing one Sunday, right? No, no, I'm, I'm on vacation. Yeah, vacation, so, so. so we're, we're done until next Friday because we're not doing one Monday either. Can you do next Friday? I won't be here Friday. Oh, okay. That's right. I have to f- figure out my own stuff for the week. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll do a solo early in the week. But either way, you're not going to get anything Sunday. I'll commit to Friday for sure in a TBD on an early week one. Like I said, I got my little my little uh, uh, afternoon planned with my niece, which I'm excited about. I'm seeing some, some movies as well. So I'm kind of taking it easy too. So let's just aim for Friday. But I might throw a solo up there uh, at some point in the middle of the week. I am going to look to get a guest a host uh, to Wally Pip, Justin, and we'll see how that goes. But Justin, I hope you have a wonderful vacation. Uh, I did call the police for you on that sign, but uh, hopefully you can get off of, uh, and don't get arrested for that. But uh, anyway... Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.